Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I am in the presence of a rock star. This sweet, precious lady and I have, have we've, we've tried to make it work and connect. And she has got so much powerful stuff that she is doing. She is one of LinkedIn's top sales voices. She helps startups hire sales leaders without the cringe. That's important, guys, without the cringe. And what I love, and we're going to get into her story She's personally closed over $100 million in revenue and counting, and that's big. That is so big. That is so hard to do. But, again, she's doing all these things. She's the co-host of the Thursday Night Sales Group on LinkedIn, and you can find her on LinkedIn at Amy Volas, V-O-L-A-S, but you can find her here right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Amy, how are you today? I'm doing really well, and this is something that we have worked really hard to do, and it's taken us some time, but... Good things come to those who wait. So thank you for the invitation, and I'm thrilled to to talk shop here with you. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely. I, I want to ask you, you're an entrepreneur yourself, and so I really want to speak to the entrepreneurs for a few minutes. I'm not trying to leave anybody else out of the conversation, but I want to speak to the entrepreneurs. Take me through the last year with, with the pandemic because everything in business has has really changed and flipped on its head. Can it take me through the last year, what's happened in your business, life, things like that around this pandemic? So um, the last year is, it's like a whirlwind. When I think back to it, it's like, wait, it was the longest, slowest, fastest year ever. <laughs> um, because in a blink of an eye, a year has gone by. But during some of the harder times, like this time last year, March and April were really tricky. And I remember completely freaking out and being really scared and sad about the fact that I had put my blood, sweat, and tears into a business and being fearful that it was going to go away because I, I didn't know it was going to happen. And so I felt the effects. So recruiting is the first thing that typically goes on hold during times of uncertainty or downturns. And it's one of the very first things to come back. The good news for me was this was the third downturn or weird time I've been through in my career and I, I I was poised for it. So I never bite off more than I can chew. I don't overhire in my own business. I have a quality first mindset. And so initially it was, oh my gosh, this isn't this isn't good. This is scary. I don't know. Clients mm -hmm. were um clients were putting searches on hold and we also had offers that went away because their business was in jeopardy. And when that's happening, I can't pull sales tactics out. It's like you have to meet people where they are and be understanding. And so um, as hard as it was for me, it all of the things of giving my clients grace and understanding and our candidates grace and understanding through they think that they've got a job and now I have to deliver the worst news to say you don't. Um, not only did I have to put my own fears aside, but I had to tap into realizing that it was bigger than me. So I took a week off, like literally just freaked out, let myself feel the feels, 
if you go back to LinkedIn for that week, you'll never see one word from me. I, I literally just went inward and, and wanted to think about what was happening and process. Yeah. At the end of that week, I realized um, I can't control pandemics. I can't control what people do. I can only control myself. And I love my business and I love what it represents. And I, I have a firmly planted why. And this is my second venture as an entrepreneur. And regardless of what the outcome was going to be, I was going to control what I was going to control. And so from that point forward, really March and April were tricky in my business. But after that, my business, I, I've had the best year I've ever had of my business, right? And wow. and I mean, I'm proud to say that. That came through blood, sweat, and tears. I've never worked harder. I've never invested myself more into something. And I'm already a hard worker. Mm -hmm. uh, so that leads then to the personal side. So like the professional side, my team grew. We have phenomenal clients. We have phenomenal relationships in tech. We're doing good business. I'm really proud of that. But that also came with an expense of my time, right? So when you're locked up, so to speak, yeah. um, all I had to do was work. I'm not a big hobbyist. Uh, work is personal for me. It's more than just a job. It's more than just a business. It's more than just making money. And I overextended. So I fell into this community called Thursday Night Sales. I didn't realize at the time how poignant and special and important that work would be. Um, I didn't realize that there were other business opportunities for me in my business that I really poured myself into. And I think I did a lot of giving more than I took um, and meaning for my personal self, I didn't really show up for myself. I, I worked more than I've ever worked. I'm coming off of my first trip in more than a year with my husband to recharge my batteries. And it was lovely, right? And it, it really was a good reminder that you've got to take some time out because when you show up for yourself, you show up for others in such a better way. And so personally, um, I'm good. I'm proud. I am no longer crispy on the edges like I felt like I was. And uh, professionally, I am proud. And uh, I feel like we've only just begun. And it's been five and a half years since I've had the company. So that's what the last year has been. Um, in the face of adversity, it's amazing to see the beauty that can happen. Um, Thursday night sales being one of those things, our clients being one of those things, my team being one of those things, um, the good work that we're doing with candidates and how they're showing up even when they're scared because they lost their job or they're afraid to lose their job. And what does that mean? And helping them show through the work that we do that not all companies are icky and that yeah. you can really thrive in your career. So like, this is the stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it was an uncertain time. It was a scary time. And I'd be lying if I said anything different. So that's the last year in a nutshell. Well, I, no, went, I, I love what you said there. And I didn't mean to jump in there, but you, you, you said a couple things there that I want to park on real quick. Take me through that week where you just kind of said, and as the kids say, peace out, you know, yeah. you just had to, because I kind of did that the first of January. I wanted that new year reset where I, I didn't do a whole lot on LinkedIn at all, hardly anything. I just didn't. And that's my go-to platform like it is for you. I just didn't do anything. What was that week like where you just kind of said, I've got to get away for a week. How did you power through the scared? Cause you mentioned you were freaking out 
sad, scared. How did you power through that time, Amy? Um, it was a it was a weird situation because right before that week, my husband and I were in LA for for business. I had really great meetings. I was shoring up three new opportunities for my business of like, hey, we want to work with you and this is going to happen. We flew back. So the day that we flew to California, California was declared a state of emergency, but people were still out. Like it didn't seem real. And we flew back. And that Monday, everything started shutting down. That was the week that I took off because all of a sudden I've got clients freaking out. Like it was like within days, like every day just got worse and people putting things on hold, the opportunities that came out of California, that completely shut down. It was just like the world stopped in one fell swoop. It wasn't like over months, it was like all of a sudden my business just felt like it was about to be frozen. So what I did that week, um, I went through sort of like the seven stages of a loss. And the first one was me being really scared, then me being really angry. <laughs> like, how is this happening? Why is this happening? Me being confused, me being sad. Like, these are all the things that I was feeling. Um, I'm a big believer in a journal. So as I was electing to, and it's funny, I just wrote a LinkedIn posting today. Is there such a thing as oversharing on LinkedIn, which I think that there is. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. LinkedIn, like a dear diary. These were real raw thoughts that I hadn't processed through. And in moments of uncertainty, I like to take a step back and reflect versus sharing across platforms. And yeah. so I talked to my therapist. I did Reiki. I wrote on my journal, I was brainstorming with my husband and I just, I was out in nature. I was walking. I felt like I was Forrest Gump that week. All I was doing was walking around my neighborhood processing. And there was something really cathartic about listening to birds chirping. And even though it was cold, it was still a little moderate um, out and, and just talking through things and talking to other business owners and talking to other people that are trusted advisors, talking to my mentors, and being reminded by one of my mentors that has known me since I was a puppy, Amy, you've been through worse. And it's that whole thing of like, it could always be worse. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that could have happened is my business goes down, but I'm good at what I do and I can recover from that. And before my business would ever go down, I would fight like heck to make sure that it didn't, yeah. right? And so- that's when that that last statement for me was the end of the week where I was like, yeah. So then like all of those emotions turned into like, ain't nobody going to get this chick down. You know, I see on. that about you. I see that about you. And I've noticed that. And that's what I have loved about about you and following you and, and us interacting and things like that is you take you take the aggressive. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you come at it going, listen. I don't care what lion or giant I have to fight today. That lion or giant better be ready for me because I'm, I'm bringing everything. And I love that about you. And some people might say, oh, well, just she's so sassy or she's it. But it, it is that confidence in knowing what you've overcome. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But it's also knowing the, what you do really, really well. Did you tap into that and, and, and kind of move that strategy forward and go, this is what I do well, and this is how I'm going to attack this situation currently? Yeah. I mean, at the end of that week, something somehow, and I don't really know what it was, 
but all of that fear, all that fight or flight and kind of like natural disposition turned into energy to say, regardless of whatever happens, I'm not going to go down without a fight. And there was a fire that was ignited in my belly that I've never felt before where it was like game on, like game set match. Let's do this thing. And that was, that was like on Thursday, Friday of that week. And my husband was like, I thought that you were just going to crawl in a hole and like just process this. And I was like, done. I'm sick of this. Like I got over myself. I was irritated with myself. I was like, stop whining, like cut it out and get this. And, and by the way, for anybody that thinks that this is sassy or aggressive in a negative way, you're probably not my people and that's okay. And, and, and yeah. I'm not for everybody and that's okay. But there is a resilience. I've, I've been an underdog a lot in my career, always a guinea pig, not sure what is this going to look like. Um, and I've also been a woman in a heavily male dominated world. And I'm not afraid to use my voice and I'm not afraid to fight for what's right. And all of those things kind of came together and ignited and said, you need to control what you can control. And as long as you do that, that's never worked against you. My, my recipe for success has been do the right work with the right people consistently. And I did those things and I'm okay. And I'm proud to say that I'm okay. Yeah. And um, I didn't, I, I don't identify so much with like victim entitlement mentality. That doesn't, that doesn't really bode well with me. I don't get caught up in what everything is wrong. I get caught up in what I can control. And I so that's it. what I did. I love it. Let's take a quick break because I want to ask you about something you said just a minute ago Yeah. about a skill that most people don't, don't use quite often. And that's the skill of grace, because I, I love what you said there. I'm going to extrapolate a little more conversation out of that. Also, I'm going to talk about what's in her profile, about what gets you out of bed every morning. I know my answer. I want to know what gets Amy out of bed every morning. Come back with us. My special guest, Amy Volas, here on the Intel. Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Amy, I love what you said about grace because I, I, I see... If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's the power of grace. People are are more flexible than they've ever been. Obviously, the work from home situations, um, people are more responsive, it feels like, to things. 
And, and, and I want you to walk us through the power of grace, because when you said that, I was like, oh, okay, ding, 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 ding. I got to write that down. I don't think that, that we have a lot of grace on ourselves a lot of times. We, we're harder on ourselves than we need to be. And then we don't understand that grace is a powerful skill that we don't use. When you were walking through, you had things set up. You had contracts that were coming in. It was like, this is going to be great. And then all of a sudden, everything comes to a grinding halt. Was that a default skill that you just naturally defaulted to? Was grace in that situation? How did that become a, a, a real powerful skill in that moment? Because that was, I had to park there. It was so brilliant what you said there. Well, thank you. Um, I think it was just my natural disposition coming through of being like, I, I've had really good coaches and um, people that have led by example in my life. And it's always the question of what's the worst thing that could happen. And when you think about that, you automatically put things into a different perspective and it's like, okay, but what can I control so that the worst thing doesn't happen? And then you turn that fear into action. And when you're taking action, all it takes is one step. And then one step leads to another and another and another. And that mindset of what you're so afraid of or um, getting caught up in a lot of the fear or negativity or things you can't control, it just sort of melts away. And, and you start seeing that compound. And I saw that compound pretty quickly. Like yeah. I remember going... Um, and, and on a walk. So my head of recruiting lives six houses away from me. She was walking on one side of the street and I was walking on the other. And I was like, I, come hell or high water. Nobody is going to get us down. I will, I will fight till I have no breath left to fight, to make sure you're good, to make sure I'm good, to make sure that this business is good and to make sure that our clients and our candidates are good. And, um, I'm proud of that. You know, and, and that is my, I, I've never looked at my clients or my candidates as walking paychecks. I look at them as people and I look at them as relationships and everything in my business is personal to me. It's not just business. I don't have an off on switch. I never have. And I do think that that is something that has made me successful. And so when something's happening and I'm so afraid to lose the things that I care about that are bigger than money. Like this business is what I feel like I was put on this earth to do. I truly feel like this is my mission. I want to show people that you don't have to cut corners, that you can be people centric, that you can have a process and still be wildly successful without being a dirt bag. I absolutely am here for that. I also believe strongly in recruiting is broken. I figured out how to do it well and right. And I want to show people that you don't have to be icky. That's the cringe factor. Yeah. And so- I, that was my why six years ago when I was thinking about starting this company, five and a half years ago when I started the company and to this day, and it'll be in my fiber till I'm done. Yeah. That's my jam. And I think when you have, I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan, when you have a why, yeah. even when tips are down and you remember why you're doing that, that was at the end of the week. Why, did, why am I so sad about this? Why am I so scared? And then why did I want to do this in the first place? Nothing's changed. Yeah. And guess what? This isn't my first rodeo at the hard time corral. It will come back 
recruiting will come back. I didn't bite off more than I could chew. I didn't lay one person off. I didn't miss one payroll. I didn't do it. Like literally it was hard for a couple months. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't, but man, we bounced back. And I'm so proud of that. I am it like, that is the stuff. Like every, this is the third time now, Brian, (laughs) and the arm is standing up. Um, You got me all in the feels, but like, seriously, I'll look back on this time and I will be so incredibly proud. I already am. And, and it means something. You should be, you really should be. And, and, and again, Amy, here's the thing that, that I I love what you said there. And let's go here for a minute. I wasn't going to ask you this, but let's go here for a minute. Yeah. You, you were talking about Simon Sinek. I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. Start with why that book changed the way I use the word. Why? Me because too. now I started thinking to myself, okay, why can't I do this? Why can't this happen? There are so many people and, and say, let, let's go here for just a quick second. Let's layer on top of this. You and I both have strong backgrounds in sales. Why do you think why is the hardest question for people to ask other people? Um, I think that they might be afraid of what they might hear or they don't really care to know. They're just going through the motions of autopilot. So like, especially in sales, yeah, we're trained to just go through process, like step one, step two, step three, step four. And when you're just going through the motions, you're not thinking about the route. And I've never thought that way. I don't care about your KPI over my head, your goal, your process. I care about the fact that I'm trying to do business with somebody else. Yeah. And that trust and respect is an earned thing. When I have that, I've always been really, really successful. And so that's just noise to me. Like it's good to have goals. It's good to have KPIs. I'm not, I'm not questioning that or saying that that's a bad thing, but that's not what I lead with. I lead with I came here for a reason. I know what that why is. And because of that, it ignites me wanting to do the right work consistently with the right people. So I think most people reverse it. They think about the outcome first and the process to get to the outcome. And they're not thinking about the why. And because of that, then you take a backseat approach or that commission breath happens that, um, you know, we hear about so much. It, it, it's like all of these different things start to happen because I'm just thinking about what's in it for me only. And when you think about that, you don't care about why. You yeah. just care about your own agenda. And by the way, that comes through. Yeah. That was the greatest liberator for me was when when I didn't when I wasn't on commission. And I don't listen, I don't knock people that, that are on commission. It, it it is a motivator. But for me, that was the greatest liberator in sales was like, okay, I can be authentic now and I can sell like myself. I can be me to sell authentically, genuinely putting my customer first, always making sure that their needs are met and they're taken care of, that the buying experience is so, so genuinely pure that there's nothing that stands in the way. And I love what you said there. That that is so good. I got to ask you this before we take a break and, and get into your story. What gets you out of bed every morning? You asked that on your LinkedIn headline. So I'm going to, I'm going to turn the tables on you, Amy. What gets you out of bed every morning? I like, there's a few things. First and foremost, I like solving the problems that I like to solve, right? And so um, the biggest problems are 
helping people come together with other people to do business. Ultimately, that's what recruiting is. And it is a big problem. And I'm here to solve it, especially for what I do with startups that um, this is new and it's foreign and it doesn't come naturally when it comes to hiring a sales leader. Uh, so that that's really cool. Every client, every situation is different. I always have to put on my critical thinking hat. So that's like the first thing that that gets me out of bed in the morning. But the other thing is, I just love the whole dynamic of what makes somebody tick and understanding that and realizing that everybody has their own specific footprint, right? Nobody has the same footprint. And what is it about yours that makes you you? And learning about that and understanding that and learning from it, right? I get inspired by people all the time. They get me thinking in different ways. Yes, I'm outspoken. Yes, I have very clear opinions on things, but make no mistake, I'm always listening and I'm learning from it, even if I don't agree. Yeah. And so um, that's the stuff for me. Like I, I get excited to like tackle the day that way. My wife pushes me out of bed. She says, honey, it's time to get up. <laughs> we really cannot lay here any longer. It is time to get up. And when, when you've been married almost 25 years like I am, you learn to listen to your wife. Guys, listen. If I'm talking, let me talk to the men for a minute. Listen to your wife. You know, that's it's, you know, that's the that's the encouragement I could give you. Let's step aside, take a break. I want to get into Amy's story when we come back. She has a powerful story, and I wanted to share it with you. Back in a moment with Amy Volus here on the Intentional Encourager Podcast. Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton. I want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector, you've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Amy, take me as far back you want to take me point A to point B. Um, I went to, I intentionally went to break a couple minutes early because I wanted to give you that space and room to really tell your story. You told a, a, a portion of it, kind of teased it. And I love that. Take me as far back as you want to take me. If you want to go, Hey, I was born to parents here. You just go as far back as you want to go and take me through the journey of your life. Um, Where do I want to go? I mean, I think, I think, what people don't realize 
uh, about me is, so I came from divorced parents. My parents got divorced when I was four years old. I don't remember them being together. And I think that that had an indelible impression on me. It's where I learned to deal with things. It's um, where I, I think some of the, like that resilience of even though you're scared and you don't like what's going on, um, you can get through it. And it wasn't like, it wasn't this gnarly situation. It was sad. You know, my mom and my dad got married when they were 18 years old, October from high school. So like graduate high school in yeah. June and they got married in October. They were married for 12 years and my dad left my mom and it was my mom's first love. And, um, it was really hard for her and we didn't see my dad for a year and a half. Um, and then my dad was already with my stepmom. And the first time that you're seeing your parent after a year and a half with somebody else, like that's weird as a kid. You're like, what is that? Uh, but you know, my dad isn't a bad person. My mom isn't a bad person. Like they just got married really young. I couldn't imagine being married at 18, right? My I mean, dad threatened to kill me if I get married at 18. Cause he and my mom, he was 18 and my mom was 16. And my dad was like, look, if you get married at 18, I will kill you. I will end your life. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was like, all right, you know, you can't be more clear than that. So yeah, it is hard to overcome because my parents were married 41 years and, and they were, they were all the time going, wait, wait, wait. Cause it's tough. You're, you're, you're a hundred. I'm glad you said that because again, I don't think people that, that have young parents understand you do. I mean, you grow up with your parents, right? Like my, my, my parents were 19 years. My dad was 19 years older than me. My mom's 17 years older than me. Like we grew up together. Like yeah. all the ways you could screw up a kid is <laughs> just have young parents and, you know, but I didn't mean to jump in there, but I, I, I understand that, that for you, you see well, your dad for the first time after a year and a half. Yeah. Pick up on that story if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, well, what was amazing is um, my grandparents lived two blocks away from us and we spent a big chunk of our time with my grandparents and they they had an indelible impression on me as well. I, I, they are, they are so many parts of the best part of me and they're both not here anymore, but, um, they really stepped in and took a major, a major role. And we were the kind of family on my mom's side that like every Sunday dinner, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my family, like we were all together. And so I, it, it, I still had like family foundational stuff and support, even though, it was a time of crisis as a young child, right? Um, my dad has been in, in and out of my life and he's not a bad person, but uh, I think sometimes when you divorce, uh, especially then where we were the only kids in our school for years and years and years that had divorced parents, it was very taboo, it was not normal. Um, and nobody talked about it. Like co-parenting wasn't a thing, therapy wasn't a thing. These things did not happen. And so um, I was really fortunate to have solid family foundation, truly. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because those values still came through, even though my parents weren't quote unquote together. But I look back like my first day of kindergarten to my first day of college, to my last day of college, to my wedding day, my dad wasn't there. 
Um, but my stepdad was, and my grandparents were for many of those things when they were here. Uh, my mom has always been there. So I think for me, when I go back and I've done the work on myself, that, that time when my dad left and I was four years old and I didn't understand the things and I don't even remember my parents being together, that was really big for me. Um, I understood how at the time, not, I didn't understand it then, but understand it, <laughs> understood it way later. Yeah. Understand it isn't even a word. That's nice, Amy. Um, but I, I got clear on it way later. That's where I learned how to cope. Yeah. Um, and some of those coping mechanisms, uh, like nothing really was like harmful or, or abusive, but it's like one of the things that I learned was the power of working and the things that I could control. And so one of my coping mechanisms is I work. When things get crazy, I just pour myself into work and it's never worked against me until you burn out. And then you realize that there has to be a little bit of a balance, which is something that I'm still learning. Um, I was I was born for the water. I started swimming at the age of four. I competitively swam until I was 20 years old. Uh, we lived in Europe. My mother remarried and remarried a, a man that was in the Navy, and we moved around a bunch. And um, the common denominator was every time we would move, my mom would go and set up shop, and we'd live with my grandparents. And I think when you move around a bunch growing up and in your high school years, which I did, you are resilient to adapt. You know, like it's not like I don't have any friends in my life from when I was a kid because I, I, I moved around. Um, my friends came from college. And so, you know, all of these things I think back on sort of are the building blocks for who you become. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's funny because I recently got together with people from high school that I hadn't seen in 20 plus years. And they were like, we always knew that you would be this. Like we, you were like this in high school. I'm like, I was, and they're like, yeah, you were always outspoken. You always were the one that would fight for the things that you wanted to fight for. And, and nobody else would say anything. You had no problem using your voice. I'm like, I did. They're like, yeah. Um, and they're like, and you like to swear then too. <laughs> ah, like, well, so there's that, but you know, yeah. it's, it's so that's my story. Is, I went back to my 20 year class reunion and I had lost weight and I had contact lenses and a beard. And they were like, What happened to you? Like, <laughs> like, it's like, Well, listen, you know, it's uh, you know, I had weight loss surgery and in amazing, I found these things on contact lenses. You know, and it's, <laughs> it's it was so fun, Amy. It was so funny at my 20 year class reunion. I got voted most changed. It was like it was a runaway landslide, and the and the prize was a gift card to Bob Evans. I'm like, wait a minute, I had weight loss surgery last year, and now you're giving me food. You know, like, that's not that's not my a wife was excited. She's like, Yay, we go eat at Bob Evans. You know, it's like, you know, we that's how you wake that's how you make West Virginia happy. You just throw a gift <laughs> card at him to a restaurant, you know. Here you go. Yeah, you just give um, a gift card. I got to ask you something about. I want to step back for just a minute. Did the did how your parents did did the things that happened with your parents? Did it shape the way when you met your husband? Did it shape the way you you thought about marriage? Mm. And did it did it make you go? I saw this in my mom and dad. When I get married, I'm going to intentionally change this because a lot of people see when they when they have dysfunctional families or they have situations like yours, they go, I am going to, and, and I'll share this with you. My wife 
partied a lot when she was younger. And she said, you know what, what I'm looking for in a guy is I want somebody that doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, and will take me to church. And then I rolled through the door. And, and so it was kind of like everything that I, that, 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 that she saw that she didn't want was what she wanted in a husband. Were you kind of that way with, with how you approached marriage, seeing what happened to your mom and dad? Uh, no, I, I think I went the opposite way. So I never thought I was going to get married and I never thought I was going to have kids. I still don't have kids. So I think seeing people go through a really difficult divorce, um, because when my dad left my mom, he left the entire family. Remember my family yeah. we got together every Sunday, my grandfather. So my, my dad came from a very different background than my mother. His dad died when he was eight years old. Uh, my dad was living above a gas station at 10 years old. Like nobody taught my dad how, how to emotionally be available or to really love like the things that you learn. Um, and I learned that through my mom and through my grandparents and my aunts and my uncles. And, you know, those are, I didn't, I didn't lose that. Um, but I also didn't want to be like them. And I think subconsciously as a child that was let down right? And, and feeling abandoned. I don't think I wanted to do that to another child. Um, and I never was the babysitter. I never like, I was like, how do I start a business? Like lemonade stand, let's do this thing, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, go sell something that that's, that's, that's always a good plan. Go sell yeah. something. I mean, I liked, I liked going into my grandfather's office and playing, you know, like with the office supplies and playing business person that like, even as a young child, like that was, that was a cool thing for me. Um, and so I never, I never thought that I wanted either one. In fact, I thought that I would be a blend of the sex and the city characters where I would have a manion, um, that was like a man companion that would be in my life and would be loving and a fixture, but not marriage. And, um, then I met my husband and three weeks later we got engaged and I shocked the entire world that I was a part of because they thought that was never going to be me. So I think, you know, what, what anchored me back to taking a risk on love and my husband and I've been, it'll be 16 years that we've been married in June. Uh, and I didn't get married until my thirties, but um, I think for that, it was the example that my grandparents set because they were married for over 50 years. And um, when my grandfather passed away, he passed away before my grandmother, she died a year later and never smiled again. And she was one that would light up the room, like part of her died. And to see a love like that, even when they were dying, um, she had a pillow on her pillow that said, my prince sleeps here. And he had a pillow on his pillow that said, my beauty sleeps here. And when I got engaged to my husband, in my engagement ring, it's inscribed my beauty because he knew like my grandparents were such, and, and when he proposed to me, he took me to the church where my parent, my grandparents are in the columbarium in the wall, their ashes are, yeah. and he wanted them to be there with me for that. You know, like, so it's like when you find somebody like that, that understands you and you've only known each other <laughs> just a short amount of time that shook me. Like that is my life mate. And that is my partner. And every day, um, you were talking about your wife is like, get out of bed. 
my husband is like, what are we going up or are we going down? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, what, what roller coaster ride are we on today? Cause it is a roller coaster being married to me where my business is so part of who I am. Um, I, I think sometimes I snuggle my phone more than I snuggle him. It's not always easy. And to have somebody that understands that and to be on the life journey with you and to walk the path with you to be your biggest advocate and supporter and sometimes critic in such a loving way to help you be your best you. I, I'm, I'm here for that. And I think I have to thank my grandparents for that because watching them go through life and being the fixtures that they were in my life and yeah. showing me that love is real and it can last. Um, I took my time. I didn't get married at 18. You know, I got married at 30 and um I will never wonder what if my, both my husband and I dated other people. I lived with another man before I met him. Like I, I never, I never will wonder what if. And so that when I met him and I saw these special things in such a short amount of time, um, yeah, he's my person like all day, every day. And, and you don't always see it. Like I don't talk about this so much, but above and beyond anything above and beyond my business above me that's my person like i would go yeah. through i would go through hot molten lava acid if that meant that he would be okay yeah well and again that's why that's why in 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 full disclosure that's why i dogged you for a year to connect <laughs> and do this because i knew there was depth behind you because you could just see it i knew there was like I got to find out more about her story. And, and we were talking about your grandparents. We live next door to my wife's grandparents who were married for 70 years. And when she, when my wife's grandmother passed away, you know, my, her granddad, which we just lost him in November, he was 98. And, and I, you know, he always said, I wanted, I want her to go first because she would never make it without me. But he just kind of existed. He did well, but he was just kind of, it was kind of like, it was just, just different for him. And you, you really, I love how beautifully you said that you understand. And this is what I tell my 20 year old. I say, look, one day you're going to meet the love of your life. The person that God specifically created just for you. You may know her, you may not know her. And in your case, you meet your husband and get engaged like my wife and I met on a blind date in late December. And by July, we were engaged. You just know you, when you, when you, and I was 24, you were 30 at that point, you just kind of like, and my wife was 26 and she's like, I just knew you were the guy. And I'm like, yeah, and it took me a little longer to figure out that she was the girl, but I, I figured it out. When you think about that time in your life now where you could, let me ask you this. Yeah. You got, you got engaged at 30. If you could go back now and spend an hour having coffee with 29 year old Amy, what would you say to her? Wow. Um, I would, I would probably tell her to, um, start doing therapy sooner <laughs> because, you know, I didn't, I didn't start therapy until my mid thirties and I'm really bummed that I waited that long uh, because the minute that I did, 
I mean, Chris, my husband and I, we've always been fine, but like every relationship, you go through things. And I think the things, so, you know, my first business that I started was in 2008 and that was a really hard time. And, and the business for me didn't work out. And, um, there was a lot of humble pie that I was eating and it was, it was during 2008 in a downturn. And when I started the business, it was before the downturn hit and to go through a seven figure pipeline and in one fell swoop within two weeks to have it go to zero and to have people tell you, we're not going to talk to you again for at least two and a half, three years. And we were bootstrapped and we didn't want outside funding. Like these were big conversations. Uh, and my husband supported me a hundred percent and, and having to say out loud, it's not going to work and, and feeling I was disappointing him, disappointing myself. Like you go through things. It was a really, yeah. it was a, it was a very dark moment in my own life. And, um, you don't realize that your life is like a puzzle. All the pieces go together. So four-year-old Amy to, you know, 2008, Amy, those, th those things correlate. And I really wish, because I don't think I was so fun to deal with at that time, <laughs> if I'm being honest. And, um, I wish that 29 year old Amy would have already gone through therapy and leaned into that because yeah. it's then how you realize that there are tools out there to help you through hard times, to help you through good times, to help you be your best version. And the minute that I did that, I was a better person for my husband, for me, for my family, for my friends. Um, and then I had to peel off some relationships that weren't so good for me. It was yeah. this clarity of boundaries and, um, and so that's what I would have said to myself. I love that because, and, and, and forgive me, I, I, I keep looking down. Those of you watching on YouTube, if Amy see me, I'm looking down. I'm writing notes. I am on page two of the notes that I'm taking for this because <laughs> she, you just have said such powerful stuff. And the reason that I ask that question is, is I think if we're all honest with ourselves, like, I would love to go back to 39-year-old. I'll be 49 in August. I would love to go back to 39-year-old to Brian and go, the next 10 years of your life are your impact zone, so you better get ready for it. And I wish I could go back to 29-year-old Brian and go, dude, you have no freaking idea like, like how lazy you are as a salesperson, as a husband. Like, you've got all this potential inside of you, and you're just lazy. Like, I would love to just... I probably would punch my 29-year-old self. I'd probably be like, you idiot. How stupid are you? You know, that that would be what. But I wanted to ask that because I noticed when you were talking and you were talking about when you got engaged, it, it, it was almost like that was a, a really defining moment for how it propelled you to the things that you were doing now. And so I, there's so much more we could get into, but I want to be respectful of your time and the audience's time. Now is the right time for you, Amy. And I, I feel this to give the audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. All you have to do is take one step, even when it's scary, even when it's overwhelming. Um, every action has a reaction. And, um, Sometimes that step is a really big leap of faith, but these things compound. And when I think about all of the things that I've done that have been good decisions, whether it was 
the fact to take a leap of faith and and go down this path with my husband, whether it was last year and taking a leap of faith to control what I could control and to try to snuff out the noise around me, whether it was, um, you know, my parents' divorce and and deciding that I I didn't want to be a victim, that I wanted to just live my life uh, and do it the best way possible. We all have decisions and it's one way or the other way and we get to decide and all you have to do is decide and then take one step. You don't have to do the whole thing. People get so overwhelmed by big plans. Great. It's good to understand a big plan. It's good to have a vision board. It's good to have goals. It's good to have whatever you, you do, but to get to those, all it takes is one step. That's it. Just one. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. This was so good. I am so glad. Thank you, first of all, for making this happen. I am so grateful that you made this happen, Amy. And, you know, it, it, it's, it was better than I thought it would be. I <laughs> thought you would be great. It was even better than I thought it would be. Tell folks if they're not connected with you and why aren't you connected with Amy. Tell folks how they can connect with you, find your content. Um, where are you hanging out other than LinkedIn? Well, first and foremost, thank you. This was well worth the wait. So I appreciate you giving me grace to to have some patience with me while I was like, no, I'm too busy now. Um, so thank you. Uh, to find me, there are a few different places. So I dedicate at least two hours of my time every week with the lovely gem that is Scott Lee's in my life. Uh, he is my co-founder, co-host of Thursday Night Sales. Every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, we show up for the community to share more things like this, lessons learned, tips, tricks, things that work, things that don't work. Um, so thursdaynightsales.com. For me specifically, avenuetalentpartners.com, as well as LinkedIn, I'm the only Amy Volus there. So between those three methods, you should be able to, those are some breadcrumbs to find me. <laughs> yes. Thursdaynightsales.com. I, I love it. Scott is a friend of mine and, uh, um, we, we're trying, Amy, we're trying to find a way, Scott, because I was on Scott's uh, Surf and Sales podcast with Richard Harris. He, he and Richard Harris do that. Shameless plug for my friend's podcast. And so, yeah. um, and, and shameless plug for Thursday night sales. Show up there if you're a salesperson. Just go there. You're going to get, you're going to get better. Um, but Scott and I are working on a way to, to call a ball game together. We, we want to, we're going to work on, on, on calling a ball because he's a, he's a big baseball fan. I'm a, in fact, I'll share this with you real quick. Um, on, on the podcast that I did with Scott and Richard, half the podcast, we talked about baseball. <laughs> we, we totally, we totally went off the rails on sales and things like that. And we went to baseball. So, but Scott is a, Scott is a, Scott is a great guy, had, had a little microphone technical difficulty there. It's a good thing. <laughs> We did that at the end of the podcast, but Scott's a great guy. Go find Amy Volas, A-M-Y-V-O-L-A-S. Find her on LinkedIn. Go to Avenue Talent Partners, A-V-E-N-U-E-T-A-L-E-N-T-P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S.com or go to ThursdayNightSales.com. Amy Volas, you are the best. Thank you so much for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. You're welcome. And thank you, Brian. This was lovely. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.
My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.